Hello and welcome to Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Hello, I'm Amanda Comer. I'm the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we have Dr. Elda Ramirez, assistant dean of diversity, equity and inclusion and director of the emergency and trauma NP program at the University of Texas Health Sciences Center. Elda, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be with you all today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. I grew up in, in deep South Texas on the border of Mexico in a little town called Laredo and uh, left there as quickly as I could when I was about 17, moved to, to the big city, Houston, started my um, nursing career at, in 1988. And um, it's, been, uh, it's been a journey since then. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. I love emergency medicine, uh, working with my, with my physicians and my nurses and providing exceptional care. But recently, there's been a, a flux in my career. I, uh, um, I have a PhD in nursing, mostly academic. And uh, recently, there's been a, a, a turn toward what we used to call cultural competency, what we used to call all these other, other names. But uh, I'm focusing right now on diversity, equity, inclusion. And those words are a little bit... Um, overused right now and cliche-ish. So I'm glad that I get a chance to talk to you guys today because sometimes those words have different meanings. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. And so we are talking about unconscious bias today. So can you tell us what unconscious bias is? Well, the, the, the term, it's, uh, the term itself can mean many, many things. You know, some people call it unconscious bias. Some call it, um, uh, I, you know, just Implicit bias, some people call it so many different things. The, the way that, that I have learned to utilize it, especially in, in dealing with people that work in healthcare, uh, the definition is that of attitudes or stereotypes that you've created. I call them habits, or um, we all understand the concepts of neuroplasticity, our, our pathway of thinking in which you don't even know that you're thinking that way. It's just happen. So it's an unconscious response to maybe something um, auditory, something visual, something uh, that is even olfactory, that you're, you're, you're going to immediately react or think of, of something in a certain way. And I give an example of when you uh, walk into a movie theater, you smell popcorn, right? So immediately, it's, it's, it's a sense of yours that immediately has your brain react to something. Like, oh, wait, there's popcorn here. And you 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 turn, you know put that in the healthcare perspective, and you see somebody walking in the door, who uh, is a female, who is uh, you know forty-ish, who is possibly Hispanic, and they're holding on to their right side. Well, in our brains, the way we're educated, the way we've been patterned, we immediately think of certain differential diagnoses without even thinking twice. It's like, oh well, she probably has a gallbladder problem. And, and that, I mean, and, and you're not going, you're not thinking that even, you're not even in the awareness that you thought that way uh, for about another 10 seconds. So yeah, that, that's probably one of the, the better descriptive ways of explaining what um, unconscious bias is. Thank you. Now, th that's very helpful. And I think it would be useful to contrast um, unconscious bias maybe with other types of bias um, and kind of explain, I guess, what makes this unique and, and why we're focusing on it today. There is also just plain bias. Uh, when you 
specific, you know that you don't like bell pepper. Bell pepper is against every part of myself. <laughs> and I know that I don't like bell pepper. And it's just a fact. Sadly, when we talk about that, the term prejudice comes in, D- different terms come in. So we can we can use these terms in what we, you know, you can consider the 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 giving them value, right? You can give a term of value, good or bad. But if you start looking at it from the perspective of I have a concept and it doesn't have to have a value to it. So when you're talking about bias, you immediately think that the that that it's a negative or, or a, a bad thing. And I know that one of the, the questions that is when you're asking the question about, you know, what kinds of biases or is there different types? Well, of course there are, but they don't have to hold a weight of good or bad. So if I'm making a decision uh, on how I'm going to treat a patient or how I'm going to put a, um, a even a provider, because this is just about patients, right? This is about how leadership uh, manages um, different levels of, of providers, different levels of, of members of the healthcare team, right? There's bias there too. So that being a bias, there can be a very healthy bias of this provider's not prepared to enter this level of care yet as they're going from a, from a novice to expert pathway, right? So, so those are the different kinds. The, the difference is, is the bias that is being exhibited by the individual, be it the provider, the patient, because remember, the patients show bias toward us too. There's been many cases in which, because I'm a nurse practitioner, the provider says, I mean, the, the patient says, I don't want to see a nurse practitioner. I don't want to see a PA. I want to see a doctor of medicine. And and that is that good or bad? No, that's a preference of the patient. And and that's okay, right? So yeah, there's, there's many different types. The, the difference is, is that the type of bias that the person or the patient or the system is exhibiting, is it caustic? To the flow of patient care or to the safety of the patient. I think that's you know it was a really good point where, where you brought up um, you know patients I guess uh, bias towards uh, physicians or, or nurse practitioners because mainly or a lot of times I think when we talk about unconscious bias we think about uh, racial bias we think about gender bias but we forget there there's other different types of bias out there or kinds. Um, can you talk just a little bit about some of the other ones that we see in healthcare besides yes. um, the ones that are commonly thought of? Absolutely. I, I actually, this is one of the the bulk of a lot of what I talk about uh, on the on across the country with healthcare providers. We talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but we talk about something as simple as a lunchroom. Okay, I, I work in very large institutions. Uh, uh, in, in, in a very large city and parking. I can't park in a certain parking lot because I'm not a physician or I'm not an administrator. I can't eat in certain areas because it's strictly for physicians or strictly for uh, advanced practice providers because they have their own office. Another type of bias that, that we don't think about either is ageism. I'm I'm reaching a, 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 a an age where my attendings are young enough to be my children, and my nurses are younger than that, and my even just in practice, especially in in the, the world today. You remember the, the industrial revolution? Well, the ultrasound revolution. If you in in our practices today, if you 
there's a bias toward people who don't know how to use ultrasound. Ultrasound is now a thing. Oh, they don't know ultrasound. No, no, give them, put them over there. Um, then there's, uh, so there's ageism, there's sexism, there's gender, uh, there's, um, oh, big in healthcare. Do you have insurance? I don't care what color you are. I don't care what ethnicity you are. If, whether, again, it's an unconscious bias, but it depends on what facility you go to. Are you going to get care if you have no coverage? And it's a bias. It's a difficult one to, to kind of swallow. But the truth is, is that there's different kinds of communities and there's different kinds of, of organizations. And some, you know, because of laws, we have to evaluate patients, whether we like it or not. But the bottom line is that there is bias in terms of whether people have uh, care or not. Another bias is obesity. Huge, huge bias. There's actually been a large number of studies done uh, that when you see somebody walk in the door and they're obese, you immediately already think, oh, they don't take care of themselves. Oh, they don't love themselves. Oh, they're they, yeah, and it just on and on. Uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, huge biases when you have patients that are coming in, especially with the opioid crisis. Now, it's a thing. If someone comes in saying they have back pain, it, it, it's immediate. Uh, what other ones do I talk about? I talk about um, the other one that was really difficult was was for me was people that were um, disabled. Disabilities aren't always physical. People, uh, my brother happened to be born without a right hand, and he was born like that. So for him, it's easy because he never knew what it was like to have a right hand, right? Uh, there's people who have a new, you know, a new uh, amputation. You know, it is huge. Do we realize that they can't do what everyone else can do? And uh, how, do we, how do we approach that? Then there's transgender right now, which has become really big, and uh, using pronouns. I'll be honest with you, a lot of what's going on right now, and this may go into a different category for you um, on this podcast, but are we becoming hypersensitive? You know, you ask about the different kinds of biases, um, Dr. Lancaster. The truth is, is that. There's many, there's many, but are we becoming so, are we so marginalizing now every single possible way that someone could have bias? And are we making it so difficult to even communicate anymore? So when I talk about people that are obese, do you ask them, hey, you know, can we talk a little bit about your weight? Instead of in your head thinking, oh, they're fat, I'm not going to talk about it because it's embarrassing. Like, you know, it's like, do you, do you ask somebody what they want to be called? Do you want to be called Pat or do you want to be called Patrick? Uh, and, and, oh, same, same thing with people who are, who are Black, African-American. Do you ask them, do you want to be called Black? Do you want to be called African-American? Am I being prejudiced or biased if I ask that question? So that, that's another part that's really difficult because, it's, and let's be honest, over the last three to four years, this like I said earlier, diversity, equity, inclusion. Is it a cliche term now? Question. So Dr. Lancaster, do you ever get the question, are you old enough to be a doctor? Oh, yeah. Almost every time. I always tell uh, them. Um, right. Actually, uh, I, I usually will go to say, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm 65, but I did everything my doctor told me to do. There you go. That's brilliant. <laughs> Very brilliant. <laughs> Um, so, so tell us how can unconscious bias impact patient care, both positively and negatively? Oh, this is a this is a very difficult part of of 
having these discussions. You know, that these are these are those hard, these are those hard conversations. If uh, if you have a provider that innately has an unconscious bias toward a certain type of patient that comes to your community, that is in your community, that provider is going to, without even knowing it, give a different drug because they know that they can't afford, they assume that they can't afford the other one. Uh, That provider is not going to send that person to PT because they assume that that person is not going to go to PT. Uh, That person, that provider is going to, um, you know, extend the time whenever that patient should come back because they're already making an assumption that, oh, well, this person's not compliant, so I'm not even going to bother. That is so common. And, uh, and, I, and, and I, I will tell you, I had to do a tremendous amount of self-awareness for myself because I work in county systems and I work in private systems. So I was seeing the difference in how I gave care and how I, how I showed my uh, relationships with my patients. So I think that's huge. Um, the other one is knowing that someone may be self, self-pay. And what does that look like? I, you know, if I, as a provider, am not potentially offering the same benefits to someone because I looked at their demographic page. I mean, we're not going to say, oh, my God, look what you're doing. We don't do that, but we have to look at ourselves and ask ourselves if that's what we do. Uh, another thing that we often do, depending on how quickly, I'm going to turn it to the, to, the, to the provider side for a minute. If you have a company that has very, very strict regulation with the hospital system or the clinic system that you're working with, and within that system, there's parameters and, and operational guidelines of these are the metrics we need to meet. If you have someone who's older, if you have someone who's disabled on your staff, if you have somebody who has a, a language difference, if you have somebody who uh, is not as fast as someone else, they're very quickly marginalized and potentially pushed out. The difference is that's huge. That's a huge bias because now you're saying that because this person is quote unquote slow, that they're not going to meet your metrics and they have to be moved around. And that's a big deal in our in our world in healthcare today. But it's a it's a form of marginalization. It's a form of bias saying. This person can't keep up with the metrics that we've created, so we need to move them out, or we need to do something with them. So is the answer that, or is the answer, why can't we work with this person and do something to see what the reason behind it is, and see if there's something, you know, something that can be done? That's a tough one, but that is truly something that happens in healthcare uh, from from the provider side. Then there's a lot of uh, bias that goes that takes place between physicians and nurse practitioners, PAs, and that is big in some in some parts of the country more than in others. Uh, right now, there's a, a tremendous movement toward uh, full practice authority in the nation uh, by advanced practice nurses, nurse practitioners, and but that doesn't mean that that people are going to practice by themselves without the support of a physician cohort. And there's a lot of misinformation. So there's a lot of physicians in the world that right now are saying, oh, well, we can't work with these people because they want to take our jobs and they want to take over healthcare." When the truth is, that's not what it's about. And there's a lot of uh, lack of knowledge, but it definitely creates a, an implicit bias toward that type of provider. And without communicating to your teams what that means, we will never work without our physician colleagues. 
it's just never going to happen. Not, 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 that's not what nurse practitioners are aiming for. It has to do with, the, I'm not going to get into that part, but it has to do with a whole other set of being able to order things and being able to provide better care. Um, but those are some of the, the biases. Also, what medications you, you offer, you know, whether, whether people can afford them or not. What, um, you know, there's no point in, in handing somebody, you know, this great you know, stack of things for them to read when they don't read. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. If you can't, it, you know, there's no point in having them, oh, yeah, you go to this website when they don't have Internet or they don't have a computer. And that's not the way they communicate uh, or they're a, a language barrier. Sure, you're going to give them all of their education in, in English. And, and most places have others, but other languages. But As I was thinking or preparing for this podcast, I, I was trying to think about my own um, bias. And early in my career, I had an experienced physician tell me in the emergency department, every patient is pregnant and lying until proven otherwise. Yep. <laughs> and I, you know, that, that still oh, yeah. comes into, into my head when, when I go in to, to speak to patients, right or wrong, you know. Oh, yeah. I've worked oh, yeah. with a lot of different people. I mean, I, I'm in the South, like you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the South. I'm in Deep South. And. I grew up in a 97% Mexican American community and I did not really understand the difference between races and ethnicities. I understood the difference between rich and poor though very well. I understood the difference between smart and not smart. And and I have I have huge biases on that. Um it's it's been really difficult. And then we grew up in a very a different class system in which you know the darker and that's the other thing too about skin, you know, the darker skin you are in my culture that you're that that's that's bad. So my family was like, oh, you can't go out in the sun as a Mexican American. Oh, don't don't go out in the sun. Don't get dark. And I'm like, I love to be dark. Within my culture, it was like, no, you can't be dark. Um, it's amazing how things how people carry these. And, and you know, when we talk about how do you how do you what do you do to intervene, right? From this consciousness that that's that's what we're talking about now. So how do you intervene? What what do you do about it? And uh, I have a, there's there's many many different approaches, but I think the very very first approach is to, I mean, the two of you doing this podcast obviously uh, care enough about this to have the conversation, which means that you've had have some level of self awareness. The problem is is that many of your patients, providers, uh, members of your team don't. <laughs> they don't have self awareness and they don't have emotional intelligence, and that's not again. I'm not being biased saying that they're dumb. What I'm saying is they've never been put in situations where they have to examine their own beliefs and their own ideas as to how they approach patient care, collaborative uh, work with their uh, with other providers within their system and try and understand that their own bias that's potentially unconscious is affecting care. And I was telling uh, Amanda earlier that in some of the work that I've been doing with some other companies, what happens is that it's that the truth comes out too late after there's already been some form of altercation or some form of, of explicit bias where the person who's been maybe being the, the victim of the, of the microaggression or the victim of the bias finally says, you know what? You can't talk to me like that anymore. I am not going to allow you to talk down to me or I'm really tired of your sexist comments. Like, why do you have to talk about those patients like that? And and I think that with the pandemic, as I was telling Amanda, with the pandemic and with 
us having been isolated for so long that people are just, their boundaries are changing and their uh, capacity to maintain civility is changing from the patient and from the provider. And there is no easier, softer way right now. Right now it's like, stop it. So, you know, I, I think there's there's tools out there that you can use to kind of self-assess for for um, unconscious bias. And then um, that, you know, I think we all are starting to recognize that that everybody's got their own unconscious bias and, and we would like to change. Uh, I think you've you've hit on a few different ways to uh, think about it differently when you interact with a patient, such as, you know, asking them about instead of just assuming that the patient without insurance can't afford XYZ medication, you, you talk to them specifically about that. Um, it, it, are there other ways that you that you know that are proven to, to help, I guess, those that have gone through the process of uncovering what their unconscious biases are, kind of overcome it? Yes. Um, first and foremost, the Harvard has a, um, has these phenomenal, really short little tests that you can take. Um, it, if you Google um, "Am I Prejudice," and they're they're like just a, it's just a few minutes each, and and they cover everything from obesity to ethnic to ageism. They're great, and they're they're short and sweet, and and it's and it's a really good way of doing a little bit of that introspection of what 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 are we what are we doing? Coming from a really large um, company system like yours, your your people. And yourselves and your patients are always under stress. So one of the things that, and, and I'm going to use this word and everybody, it's another one of those cliche words that, that people are like, oh my gosh, she's going to say it again, but mindfulness. And um, what does that mean? Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a sober alcoholic. I've been sober for 25 years. And the, instead of using the term mindfulness, I use the term reflection. You know, you go home after your shift, you go home after your day in the office. And you take like 10 to 15 minutes of your day and you ask yourself, okay, was I mean to somebody today? Did I yell at somebody today? Did I get offended from somebody today? Uh, and then you just ask yourself, okay, well, what was my part in that? And you're asking yourself, hey, was I, was I, was I, whoa, I, man, that was pretty rude of me, wasn't it? She really was on my last nerve. And I think I probably have to make an amends there. So also just within your own tight group, you, you might be having these little microaggressions like, oh, my gosh, your hair's so gray. How old are you now? I'm like, ooh, okay. So thank you very much for that one. But they don't, people might not know. So another one is just that concept of walking in someone else's shoes. You know, Amanda and I uh, we do totally different kinds of work. And so we talk, and I, and, and I, she, I ask me, like, she tells me what's going on in her day, how many don't always agree. Right. Well, and we don't always agree <laughs> at all on some pieces, and that's okay because she's an admin, and I'm not. I'm the... You know, I'm the diehard a moderate who's who's like, hey, it's okay, let's try and find a balance. And you're like, hey, we gotta fire these people like now. Um, but it's about oh, okay. no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But um, perspective taking that 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 was a microaggression, by the way. Um, <laughs> perspective taking is key, right? I, you know, I I grew up believing that you know people with money had it made. Well, I found out really really quick when I had friends that were rich that that's just not true. Um, they get COVID too. Um, and, and cancer. Um, the, the perspective taking is like stepping back and going, okay, I sat down on the floor one day in my county hospital and I, I sat with a, with a homeless man 
And because we're always complaining about, like, oh, my God, all the homeless, because we're right with level one trauma center, right in the middle of, the, of Houston, right? And I finally, I just sat down and I started talking to him on the floor. I was on the floor. He was in a wheelchair. And he started talking to me. And this guy had, like, multiple degrees. This guy ended up getting, you know, disease, medical conditions. And his life spiraled. And he was now this 60-something-year-old man who lost pretty much everything. and he wasn't interested in, in us helping him find a place to live. He just was, he was comfortable in the world that he was living. And I had to stop for a minute and see that. So that's the, the next recommendation is that of just stopping. Like I said, right now in, in that last segment, I'm like, stop, just stop for a minute and, and take that, that, that step back. It takes a lot to stop, by the way. You know, you think, oh, okay, well, I'll just stop. No, <laughs> when I say stop, I mean, stop your brain. I mean, stop. Stop moving forward with that thought that was just in your head about like what you're going to do tomorrow and when that meeting's coming and, 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 and your kid and, oh, wow, hold on, I'm, I'm on a call right now. It, it's about really just stopping and taking a deep breath and saying, okay, where, where am I right now? So that's huge, especially when you see that there's a conflict that's arising or that you already know that your personalities can be in this whole array. But if you're like many people are, we're moving forward so quickly because we're trying to get everything done. That when you make that stuff, the other one is um, <laughs> we lump people together. We're, we're taught. I, I talk a lot about patterns, you know, uh, cat, dog, cat, dog, cat, dog, ostrich. That doesn't belong. But wait a minute. Why is the ostrich here? Not just say it doesn't belong, but hold on. What, 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 why is there an ostrich? Instead of just saying that, that it doesn't belong. So that's a big part of of understanding that piece of like, how did, how did that ostrich get here? And am I just going to like push the ostrich out of the room or am I going to just stop for a second and see why my pattern has changed? Um, why is the pattern changing? Those are all really good points. And, and I know we're you know, running uh, short on time with our, sure. with our episode, but one question I really wanted to ask is, so we've talked a little bit about how um, as providers we can, you know, self-reflect and adjust maybe the way we we treat those that uh, we realize we had an unconscious bias to. But uh, as you were mentioning earlier, um, patients and, and other teammates will often you know may treat us um, with the same biases. What can we do to redirect patients or, or other teammates when they you know comment on on how um, they would rather see a physician or, or mm -hmm. rather see an older physician or, yeah. or a male okay. physician? You know, what what can we do? Well, the, my, my initial, my, the initial response by most people is like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> and it's, it's that gutter, like, you just offended me because I happen to have 33 years experience and that doc that's going to come in the door is 12 years old. And <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> so no, that's not how do you respond. Uh, the most important thing right there is, first of all, you, the, the work that the individual does in terms of how we react. And, and actually, the next thing I was going to talk about was um, in terms of tools. Is, uh, is, is being able to stop the emotion and work with facts. And that's really hard for us to do in healthcare because we, we, we're emotional, we're passionate about what we do. But it's, if a patient says to me, in, in my earlier career, when a patient said to me, I wanna see a physician, like why? Because why, you know I'm educated, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's gonna take a little bit longer because they're, they're seeing another, you know, 
staff of patients, but I will absolutely support you with that. And me understanding that that patient may not have knowledge. And when in the case of, of your, your age or, or like your race, when someone pushes that level of bias at you, that's the patient's place. We are not there to judge. If it's offensive, we say, thank you so much for letting me know what you need. I'm going to go ahead and see if I can support you with that. There, the, the act of engaging people that are not ready, especially if they're the patient and they're not feeling well, or if there's issues going on with that, there is no point in engaging in an, an assertive manner at that time. At that point, it's about decreasing the stress and moving forward. I will tell you, as someone who I, I've got lots of reasons for people to be biased toward me, whether it's being Mexican, being age, you know, my, my age, my dyslexia, whatever. It's hard, but you have to step back and be the stronger person and communicate. If, if, it's, if it's provider to provider, that's different. You can very politely say to that person, you know, when you use that, those terms or when you cuss or when you, um, you know, make fun of these people, it really is offensive to me. And I, I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. But being verbal about it and being, but tactful, not saying, hey, stop it. That's, that's, that's disgusting. That's real different than saying, hey, can we talk for a second? And people have come to me because I, when, I, when I'm stressed out in the emergency department, I'm become a sailor. And, and I've actually had people say to me, hey, Elda, um, it's a little, you know, I, I really, I grew up without hearing, you know, cuss words and, and I'm like, oh, thank you. And please, it's, it's so unconscious for me to just start, you know, uh, that, um, that people, and, and I, but, but the thing is, it's, I have to be very aware of myself and confident in myself to take that kind of, to take that kind of comment. But like I had a patient, I had a provider, I had a physician that I worked with that he, the, his odor was wow. And I had to make a comment to, to him and say, Hey, and he's like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. I, you know, he's like, I haven't, you know, my wife was gone. I haven't washed my clothes, you know, <laughs> anyway, but, but I mean, it's little things, those little, those little things and those little microaggressions like, Oh, you're so young. You, you're so young. People don't realize that every one of those chips at you because you're like, you have no idea that I've been in school my entire freaking life. And I have just now seen the light and now you're, you're microaggressing me with my age. Seriously. Don't you know how intelligent and hardworking I am? Um, and, and that's what people don't understand. They think I, they're being cute. <laughs> I think it goes back, you know, and Eldon, you and I had this conversation to our Baptist management system and our guiding principles that we have, mm -hmm. um, you know, identified respect and humility for the individual. It is, but respect means different things to different people, and humility sometimes means humiliation. So, really, it does. A lot of people don't see humility as humility. They see it as humiliation. And I, because I'm older and I do, I've done a tremendous amount of work with emotional intelligence. I understand that when you're telling me what, what, what affects you that I'm doing, that I'm offending you with, it's about them, not me. And that's what respect is. It's me respecting that Dr. Lancaster has had a brilliant career and that I need to respect that. And with you, the same thing, you, your, your work as an administrator for, for, for a systems, you know, as, as 
robust and and um, you know phenomenal as your system, it's it's a hard job. But someone like me, I can make fun of it because I don't understand it. But when I sit back, I, respecting it is attempting to understand where you're coming from, and that that's the difference. I can put both of you all in, in, in a biased category and I can just leave you there and always think of you that way. But to show true respect, I have to show humility and find out what you do and respect what you do. That's the difference. Does that, does, is that, does that clear? Yeah, I think this has all been very helpful. And I, I know that all of us, you know, have a lot of work to do in this area It's probably never finished work. Um, but, you know, for the rest of our medical staff or for, for our medical staff, there, are there any other last words you would leave on the topic of, of where you think we need to go as a profession to, to keep working on this? Communication. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if you do not have trust in your teams, if you do not have trust in your system, if you do not have trust in your leadership, these conversations become very difficult. And this this capacity to evolve is really difficult. And whether it's a race, ethnicity, ageism, sexism, whatever it is, you can't even get near that topic if there's no trust and communication. Yeah, very well said. Well, Dr. Ramirez, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. And to our listeners, uh, remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem you can redeem this episode for CME credit.